Alhamdulillahi wa kafa Salamun ala ibadihi al-lazina astafa amma ba'd Fa'unim illahi min ash-shaytani rajimi Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Ya ayyuhal lazina amanu Tubu ila Allahi tawbatan nasuha Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma salli ala sayyiduna Muhammad Wa ala ala sayyiduna Muhammad Wa barik wa sallam Allahumma salli ala sayyiduna Muhammad Wa ala ala sayyiduna Muhammad Wa barik wa sallam Very interesting hadith Sayyidina Rasulullah He says and mentioned That whenever a person does any amal Any act of ibadah Anything in deen That Allah Ta'ala has an angel which checks the ikhlas of the amal. If it passes that check, then it goes up to the samawat. Then there's saba samawat. There's seven angelic realms. There's seven realms where the angels live. And then it comes and in every single samawat there will be a door. At every door there is an angel which will check that amal. So seven more angels will check that amal. If it has ikhlas, it will go up. And then it will come up to the arsh of Allah SWT and then Allah Ta'ala Himself will scrutinize that amal. If there's ikhlas in that amal, Allah will accept it. And if there's no ikhlas in that amal or lack of ikhlas in that amal, Allah will reject it. Now imagine Allah Ta'ala examining our amal. He is that being who ya'lamu ma'fis sudur. He knows everything that is in our breasts, everything that we harbor, every thought that we think, every feeling that we feel. Means literally if a person does something 99% for Allah Ta'ala and 1% for Ghairullah, his amal will not be accepted. Lillahi al-deen al-khalis. 100% for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Many of you must know the hadith that Sayyidina Rasulullah, he said the first person to be punished in Jahannam. First three people. They're all mu'mineen. <laughs> They're all mu'mineen. One will be an alim of deen. He will have done so much work of deen, khidmat of deen. Allah will call him. He will say, yes, Allah I did this work. Allah will say, no. You did it because you wanted to be known. You wanted fame. Now if we think about it, even if that's true, the person must have also done it for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. It couldn't be that he only did it for fame. He did it for fame also. He could even be in that 99% he did it for Allah Ta'ala. 1% for fame also. So Allah says, فَقَدْ And thus you were praised in this world. Therefore the angels are commanded to drag him and cast him into the fire of Jahannam. Just like that then, a person will come who is very generous. And he will say, Allah Ta'ala, I gave so much in your path. Allah Ta'ala will say, no. You did do that. You did give it for me. But you gave it because you wanted to people think you were generous also. Fakat kiel. And they used to call you generous. They used to praise you. You got the praise that you wanted. Allah will tell the angels, take this person, drag him and cast him into the fire of Jannah. This is Sahih Third, there will be a person who is shaheed. Allahu Akbar. Shaheed, he gave his life for the sake of Allah SWT. So that will be the amal. Allah will say no. <laughs> You did do it for me and for Deen. But you also did it because you thought that after you would give your life, later on people would remember you and call you Shaheed Fakad Kiel. And thus indeed it was said and you were remembered like Shaheed. Allah will tell the angels, take him and put him into the fire of Jannah. Shaheed, Alim slash Qari, and Sahi, a person who was generous. First three people to go into the fire of Jannah.
Now when we reflect on this hadith, it's very scary. Because a person thinks that, Ya Allah, okay fine, he was shaheed, maybe he wanted to be known as shaheed. Okay, you could cancel that amal, give him zero for that, and then his hisab can be, did he pray salah, did he give zakat, did he fast in Ramadan, do hisab and his other things. Allah says no. <laughs> the fact that he didn't have ikhlas in this amal of shahada, means I'm not even going to look at the other things, he must first burn in Jahannam for his lack of ikhlas in shahada, then we will look at his other things. Ya look at this person, they gave money, their charity, maybe fine, they wanted their name on the masjid board. Okay, cancel that amal. Give him a zero for that. We don't give you anything for that. And now do his ishaban. Did he pray? Did he lower the gaze? What else did he do? Allah says, no. <laughs> I will not look at anything else. This lack of ikhlas that he had in generosity, that he did shirk with me, he made somebody shirk with me in niyyah, he will have to burn the fire of Jahannam for this lack of ikhlas. Allahu Akbar. Then I wondered that if this is the beginning of the day of judgment, we are going to be terrified. If we see on the day of judgment, Shaheed going to Jahannam, Alam Kari going to Jahannam, a generous person going to Jahannam, then we are going to be. Hmm? Yes? It happens in this world if somebody comes out of an exam and they say they failed and you knew they were much more intelligent than you and they were much more prepared than you, you'll start sweating. You'll think if this person failed, there's no hope for me. Can you imagine the ru'ab, the intense awe that will be on mu'mineen when they all witness these three people's hisab? Hmm? Every shaheed will start trembling. This is what this is. Allah is Allah. Every single shaheed will start trembling when they see that one shaheed go to Jahannam. Every alim kari will start trembling when he sees that one go to Jahannam. Every one who is sakhi will start trembling when he sees that one going to Jahannam. Allah Ta'ala wants khalis deen. Allah Ta'ala will not accept that we do anything for anyone else. You know, I was honest, to be honest with you, I was thinking today, what can I tell the people of Blackburn? And I was literally, and maybe I shouldn't be so honest with you, Imran may scold me later, but I was telling one of my friends that if I go to Blackburn and give beyond mashallah, sab dariwale, sab dubandiye, sab alame kari ye hai, wo mene kya beyond dene logo kya? Me to titmit university walo ke saamne beyond deta hoon, jab hum jaysay fasik fadir log hai, hum kuch Allah ki baat kerte hai, dousre ki yaad daani kerte hai, ye to nekun ka majma hooga. In Kili I was thinking, thinking, what beyond should I give to them? What beyond can I give to them? And then Nazar is preparing. They said that yes, this is a problem that we have. The people of the masjid, the people of the of the people of Ilm, the people of the bleak, this is our problem. We don't have ikhlas. Alhamdulillah, there's so many makatib, so many masajid, so many madaris, so much effort at the bleak, even few fair amount of khankas in this country. But still, so many problems in the Muslim community here. I know, the problems come to me. It doesn't make sense. So many, so much effort and still so many problems. What could it be? Is there not enough money in the effort? MashaAllah, there's plenty of money in this community. Is there not enough masjids? There are plenty of masjids in the community. Not enough maktabs? Plenty of maktabs. Plenty of ulama, plenty of ufas, plenty of sufis, plenty of tablikis. What's missing? It must be this, it must be the ikhlas. It must be the ikhlas. It must be the missing ingredient. Why we're not able to make that breakthrough. So then when we think about these things that our mashayikh teach us about ikhlas, Allahu Akbar Kabira. We have to have a lot of ikhlas. A lot of ikhlas. Then Allah SWT says in Quran that the munafikun will say, will call out from Jahannam 
to the people of Imam. And they would call out to them, why? Because they would say that we were together. We knew one another. Don't you remember me? Now once when our shaykh, he mentioned this ayah, he said that it will be like that for these people who didn't have ikhlas. So the ghair mukhlis will call out to the mukhlis. What does it mean? He said, don't you remember me? I was your peer by. <laughs> don't you remember me? I used to go with you also to visit shaykh. Don't you remember me? I also used to sit with you in madrasa. Don't you remember me? I always used to go out with you in dawah. Don't you remember me? We also used to go out and do welfare work together. Hmm? The ghair khalis will call to the mukhlis one. <laughs> that don't you remember me? <laughs> He'll be in jannah and that one will be in jannah. Allahu Akbar. Strange. Very strange. This is signs of the munafiq, which is supposed to be the person who had munafiq nifaq in their iman. We can find those signs in those of us who don't have ikhlas. What did Sayyidina Rasulullah say? What's the sign of the munafiq? When he speaks, he lies. How many of us are liars? Hmm? It's amazing. You would think this sunnah would have prevented us from lying. No, no, no. Allah <laughs> Akbar, lying. Lying to our own family. Murid lies to Shaykh. Yes? Murid lies to Shaykh. Student lies to teacher. Friend lies to friend. Muqtadi lies to fellow Muqtadi. Man lies, husband lies to wife. So widespread. So it's a sign of a munafik. When he speaks, he lies. Ajeeb. Second, when you give them an amana, they break it. Now, it doesn't have to be always money. Amana can be anything. You give them a trust. You place them responsibility in them. They betray your responsibility. You gave some loyalty to them. They became disloyal to you. You shared something with them. And they violated that and they shared it with others. Gossip, rumoring, backbiting, hype, hysteria. We're full of it. <laughs> Is going on in all of our levels. Third sign, that when they make a promise, they break it. <laughs> when they make a promise, they break it. Sign of munafik. This happens to us. We're not true to our word, not true to what we say, not true to our pledge. This is sign. This is what bigger sign can we have that we don't have ikhlas? That we have the alamatul munafikin inside of us. Hmm? We have the signs that the munafik have inside of us. Deen was khalis. Khalis amal. Mukhlis mu'min. That person gets the resolve of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala is tayyib. He loves what is tayyib. That's why he says in Quran that tayyib men will have tayyib women. And the non-tayyib men will have non-tayyib women. What was Allah ta'ala teaching us generally an issue of ikhlas? If you're not khalis, you will not get anything that's khalis. Only if you're tayyib khalis will you get something that is khalis. Then one, it's not a hadith, it's just a saying of the Arabs. It's ajeeb. They said that every human being needs ilm. Every person who has ilm needs amal. Every person who has amal needs ikhlas. وَالْمُخْلِسُونَ عَلَى خَطَرٍ عَظِيمٍ And those who have ikhlas, even they are in extreme danger. <laughs> even they are in danger. Because what if they lose their ikhlas, then the whole thing collapses. Now can you imagine they're thinking that the mukhlisun also used to be very incautious. That what if they lose their ikhlas? So to have ikhlas means to be true. True in tongue and true in heart. That there's no difference 
between the tongue and the heart. Allama Qurtubi when he was doing tafsir of this ayah, that many times our mashayikh, they share with us, kunu ma sadiqeen. So he said, who are the sadiqeen? Allama Qurtubi said, the one whose zahir and batin is the same. The one what he says and he does is the same. Okay, even more than that, what he says and what he feels is the same. Allah Akbar, that's extremely difficult. The best of us could try to do this, that what I say and what I do outwardly is the same. But to say that what I say and what I feel is the same, very difficult. Yeah, I can say we've seen it in few awliyaullah. That when they say, they actually feel the same thing they say. They actually love Allah Ta'ala the way they tell people to love. They actually fear Allah Ta'ala the way they tell people to fear. They actually focus in salah the way they teach people to focus in salah. They actually do have the feelings of shukr that they tell people to have shukr. They actually have the feelings of sabr and they tell people to have sabr. What they feel is what they say. There's no difference in what they say and what they feel. Who they are. Allah Akbar. So much ikhlas. When our ummah, they had this ikhlas, then alhamdulillah they were ghalib on earth. Ghalib on earth. And they'd never left this ikhlas. A very famous story of the time of Umar bin Abdul Aziz, he was such a great person, people called him Umar al-Thani. I don't think there could be more praise that anybody can give. <laughs> that the ulama and awliya of the time call you Umar al-Thani. Allahu Akbar. Such a righteous, pious ruler and khalif of the Muslim ummah. So when it was his rule, there was the Muslim armies, they went into Samarkand, Bukhara, the area that we call today, Uzbekistan. So the people who lived there, and then they conquered, that they took over, occupied, sorry, occupied the city of Samarkand. So the people who lived in Samarkand, they wrote a letter to Umar bin Abdul Aziz. And the letter they wrote that we were living a peaceful life according to our own religion, and your general has come and led an army and has just occupied us without any discussion, without anything else. So, Umar bin Abdul he read the letter, and then he wrote a letter himself to the Muslim general. And he wrote a letter and he said that, look, I'm sending this letter to you, and I want you that in your army there must be some alim mufti, I want you to ask him to decide. I want you to ask him to decide between you and these people. So then, fine, the general called out, and some ulama, some muftis were there. And so he asked them, and they said, yes, the usul of deen say that before you can occupy... You have to first invite them, aslim taslim, that if you want to accept Islam, you accept. Second, if they don't want to accept, you have to offer them that they can live peacefully. In jizya, they have to pay jizya, they have to pay tax, but they don't pay zakat anyway. It's only if they don't accept these two offers, then there can be some notion of military engagement. And we never did the first two things. So actually they're right. So the general said, okay. So he told the whole army to withdraw whole army to withdraw from Samarkand. They pulled back. Of the people of Samarkand were stunned that one moment they were being occupied and the next moment the whole army was withdrawing. So when the people saw this, they started asking, that, you know, why are you going? And they said, well, because some of you wrote the letter and Istra, they told the whole story. So they were amazed and said, you actually successfully occupied us and now you're actually withdrawing just because of one letter we wrote. They said, yes. So then all of the people of Samarkand, they accepted Islam. Now do you know how much work these ulama of Samarkand, Bukhara, Maur, Ahunar, what we call today Uzbekistan, how much kabulia they had 
whether in the field of Tasawwuf Hazrat Shah Bahauddin Naqshaban Bukhari Ramtale, whether in the field of Hadith Imam Bukhari Ramtale, whether in ilm, whether in zikr, so many fields. Hmm? And this is the beginning how this area became Muslim. To the ikhlas, to the ikhlas of Umar bin Abdul Aziz, to the ikhlas of that general, to the ikhlas of the ulama and that army. They were people of ikhlas, their acts had kubuliyya. He's part of ikhlas means to readily accept your mistake and withdraw immediately without compunction, without any reservation. So this has to be learned. We can't teach ourselves this. This ikhlas has been taught and learned. This is what the mashayikh of the sawuf teach. Hatim al-Asim, Rehumullah Ta'ala, he was a great waliullah. He spent eight years with his shaykh. Somebody asked him, that, what did you learn from your shaykh? He said, it took me eight years to learn how to fix my niyyah. Eight years. What does it mean? To cleanse my niyyah of any ujub, of any riya, of any vanity, of any display, of anything other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Eight years. Allah Akbar. Ajeeb. Then our Mashaikh used to teach us how to make better niyas, to make better niyas. One shaykh he went to the house of one of his students, and the student had made a room, and there was a window, and this and that. So the shaykh asked the student that, why did you make this window? And he said, I made the window so that air can come and light can come. So shaykh told him, you should have made the niyas that I made the window, so that the voice of the adhan can come. And I can hear the voice of Adhan from Masjid and I will be called and go to Masjid. The air and light would have come anyway. But if you made this niyyah, even building the room would have been sawab. And throughout your entire life, every time you heard Adhan through this window, you would have gotten sawab. Innama a'malu bin niyat. Innama a'malu bin niyat. Nabi Yaqlim taught us that actions are based according to our intentions. That's why the women, they used to, when they cook food at home, they would add a little bit more water. With that in case any guest comes, we will have a little bit extra to serve them. Even though 99% of the time, no guest shows up unannounced. But they would make this niya. They were always conscious of that. Arakabar taught that when you pray two rakats, nafil salah, sometimes you can make multiple niya. It's a bit of a complicated masla. You'll only get sawab for two rakats. As far as the number of rakats, you'll only get sawab for two. But you can make niyyah of multiple fazilat. For example, let's say it was some you entered the masjid and you had wudu, you made wudu and entered the masjid. So in the same two rakats you can make niyyat of tahiyatul wudu and tahiyatul masjid and you can make niyyat of two nafil shukr and you can make niyyat of salatul hajjah and you can make niyyat of salatul istikhara and you can make niyyat of salatul tawbah. You won't get so many rakats, you'll only get two rakats sawab. But you can make multiple niyats on one act, so you get multiple fazilat. So they used to actually think like that. The, not the, the previous Shaykh al-Hadith of Dharlam Deoband Ramtale, he wrote an ajeeb thing in one of his commentaries on Hadith, that the ulama had 70 niyats on wearing clothes. He listed 70 niyats on wearing clothes. Right? One that hides satr to adorn yourself with beauty. Inna Allah jameel and yuhibbul jamal. That Allah Ta'ala is beautiful, it comes in and He loves that which is beauty. So to think, I'm making myself mahboobullah. Why? Because I'm making, I'm wearing beautiful clothes. That's a niyat. <laughs> That's a niyat. Allah Nabiya that everybody will have whatever they intend. So they used to make niyat like tahdisul nimat, that Allah Ta'ala likes to see their blessings. 
Can you imagine the level of zikr of that person that on something as simple as wearing clothes, they can make 70 niyat. Every niyat means something that links you to Allah Ta'ala, links this act to the resolve of Allah Ta'ala. Everything, even the mundane, simple things in their life, they were linking it to getting the pleasure of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So then imagine how that person would pray salah. Imagine how that person would do ibadah if they do such mundane acts with such a level of niyyah. Hazrat Mulana Yahya Khan Libin who was the father of Shaykh Al-Adis Muhammad, Zakaria Khan Libin In the hot summer season after Asr, he used to go and sit in a well and bring some talaba with him and they would just throw 10, 20, 30 buckets of water on him. So there was a Sufi nearby and he came and he critiqued. He said that, look, this is Israf, you're wasting water. So he told him that, look, in the niyat that you make, it would be a waste of water because you would have made the niyat of bathing. And for me, I made the niyat of tabarrud and tabreed, of getting, you need tandak hasil karna, to get coolness from the water because I have been teaching all day long in the hot summer and I still have to work all night in the hot summer. You see, there was no even fan, there was no electricity in this time. So there was no fan at this time. Can you imagine, look at their intensity. They're going to quickly get cooled down from Asr to Maghrib so that they can work in the hot summer night and they can work all day in the summer. Ajeeb. That means even for these people, even that water was swab for them. That water was swab for them. Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal Ramtale, he used to keep the company of Abu Hashim as Sufi Ramtale. And there are famous two things that he said when somebody asked him that why do you sit in the company of Abu Hashim? First thing he said is that Ana Alimun Alimun Billah. That I have the knowledge of the book of Allah Ta'ala and he has the knowledge of Allah. <laughs> hmm? I know the meanings of Surah Al Rahman and he knows the meanings of Allah being Al Rahman. Yes? Allah himself says in Quran, Al Rahman Fasal Bihi Khabira. Allah announces that he is Al Rahman and says you should go ask that person who is Khabir who deeply knows what it means that Allah Ta'ala is Ar-Rahman. So Imam Ahmad Bambu was doing amal on this. And he said, second thing, he said, if I didn't sit in the company of Abu Hashim al-Sufi, I would have never learned in detail about the fine points of Riyah and Ujub, and I would have never been able to cleanse my heart from the fine points of Riyah and Ujub. So Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal learning something from awliyaullah, learning what, how to fix his niyyah, how to take out Ujub and Riyah. Who used to be called Faqih al Asr, was great Faqih, very understudied personality, even within our own Ahl al We know much more about Hazrat Tanwir Amtale, Hazrat Madin Amtale, Hazrat Mulan Ilyas Amtale. People know less about Hazrat Rashid Amangangoyan Amtale. So, what happened when he graduated from Darulam Deoband? He went back to his place, Gungo, and he started teaching. He started teaching and that was his ikhlas to teach the ilm that he learned. One day he felt, no, that I should go to Tanabhavan. And I should go meet, spend some time with Hazrat Haji Imdadullah Mahajra Makkinam So he went. So when he went to Tanabhavan, he showed up in the evening and he just wanted to sit for an hour or two. And then he took ijazah and said, I have to go back. And Sheikh said, where are you going? And I said, I need to go back because I have to teach my sabak in the madrasa tomorrow. So Shahzadi Sab said, Mir Rashid Ahmad, Kuch Wakla Karana Chaita, that when you come to Mashaik you should bring some time. 
you should bring some time, and you come all the way there, you should spend some time with them. So then he said, okay, I can spend the night, but I'll have to leave immediately after Fajr, so I can be back in time to teach. But the problem is, if I spend the night with you, then all these people in the masjid are going to do so much ibadah at night, I won't be able to rest, and when I'm not rested, I won't be able to teach. So he said, okay, no problem. He told them that, look, I will put your bed next to mine. I will give you VIP treatment. Hmm? Actually, what he was doing is... Yes, it's Yes, when you put the steel next to the magnet, the steel gets magnetized. So actually he wanted Mir Rashid Ahmed to sleep next to him because he was the magnet. Yes. So sure enough, Hazrat Rashid go down in the middle of the night, people started getting up in the masjid. Somebody was doing zikr of Allah, somebody was doing tilawat, somebody was crying in salah, somebody was crying in dua. So he writes this story himself. So he says, I started waking up because I heard them and I thought to myself, Oh Rashid Ahmed, you spent your whole life trying to become an alim and you think that al-ulama'u, he literally says this, and you think al-ulama'u, warathutul anbiya, that the scholars are the heirs of the prophets. But look at these people. Actually Sayyidina Susam, his warasat, his sunnah was ta'ajjud. He used to do this. He used to be up in the night. He used to be praying to Allah Ta'ala. He used to be making dua to Allah Ta'ala. So actually, if I want to be the warath of the Prophet I have to get this warasat also. So he was reprimanding himself. So he woke up and he made wudu. And then he came and he prayed to Hajj and he started making dhikr. Okay, then he prayed Fajr and then he went to Azza Hadisab and said, okay, I need to go. And Azza Hadisab said, Mir Ahmad, I hope you weren't disturbed by that person who was doing dhikr near our beds. And he said, Hazabud Maytuta. He says, that was me. I was the one making zikr. He said, oh, Mir Ahmad, you made zikr. He said, yes. He said, zikr karna to kisi se zikr karna. If you're going to make zikr of Allah Ta'ala, why don't you learn from somebody and do it? So he said, Hazrat Af Shagird Banane. So he gave bait as a hadisab. When he gave bait as a hadisab, he went back and he was on fire. He went back and his heart was on fire. He realized that I have to go back. He immediately made arrangement for some other fellow alim of his and told him that, look, these are the lessons I teach. You have to cover for me. I'm going back to Tanabhav. He went back to Tanabhav and he stayed there for 40 days and he got khilafat from his hadisab. What was this? What was he looking for? He had ikhlas. <laughs> he had everything. He was a great alam of deen. He had a great teaching position. But he had ikhlas. No, he wanted Allah. He wanted this ibadah. He wanted this tahajjud. He wanted this kurb. He wanted this lutz. He wanted this lazat. Nothing could stop him from it. Then what happens is later, has a hadisah visits Gango. When he visits Gango about a year later, and he asks him that, Mir Rashid tell me what change you find in yourself now? So he said, Hazrat, I find three big changes in myself. I find three big changes in myself. That my life is changed in three big ways. What is that? So number one, before, when I used to read the books of fiqh and hadith and tafsir, sometimes I would have questions and I couldn't resolve them. I would have nagging doubts. But alhamdulillah, after I got this nisbat Everything is so clear to me. I don't see even the slightest ta'aruz. I don't see even the slightest apparent contradiction in any of the pieces of knowledge of deen. The second thing I got is that before, I sometimes had to work on myself to do amal. I would have to force myself to wake up for tanjur. I would have to force myself to do something. I had to do mujahid on my nafs. 
And similarly, to stay away from some things, I had to do mujahid on my nafs. He says, now I don't have to do any mujahid on my nafs at all. This is called an-nafsul mutmainna. That the nafs is mutmain on sharia. The nafs is completely happy and content. You don't have to force it. You don't have to convince it. You don't have to make it. It's mutmain already. It's already happy to do everything that Allah Ta'ala wants it to do. So he got that. He said, now I don't have to work on myself anymore. He said, third thing. is that before, very slightly, I used to take into account what people were thinking. If somebody praised me, sometimes I would feel it a little bit. And if somebody was upset with me, I would sometimes change what I was doing so they won't be upset with him. He says, now I have no care whatsoever. If somebody praises me, it has no effect on me. And if somebody censors me, blames me, it has no effect on me. Mada uzam has no effect on me. So I just said that Mir Rashid Ahmad, Mubarakum, means congratulations to you. We have a couple of people who don't know Urdu, otherwise I would have switched to Urdu by now. Right? That congratulations to you. You got the perfection in all three aspects of deen. What is that? That the first aspect of deen is what? Is ilm. And the perfection of ilm is that you don't see any ta'aluf, any apparent contradiction in anything in the sharia. Second thing in deen is amal. You have the perfection in amal. Because the perfection in amal is that your tabiyat becomes according to sharia. Makruhat is sharia become makruhat is tabiyat. And the mustahabat is sharia become the mustahabat of your tabiyat. And third, you have the perfection of ikhlas. Because the perfection of ikhlas is you don't care at all whether somebody is happy with you. When it matters of deen, you don't care at all if somebody is happy with you or sad with you. You remain steadfast on the teachings of deen on what is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa So you got the perfection of ilm and the perfection of amal and the perfection of ikhlas. Allah Akbar. So this is how these mashayikh used to train. There was another alim he was a very big alim. I can't remember his name right now. He also gave birth to Hazrat Hadim Dadullah Mahajam Makriyantanai. And this was when Hazrat was in Makkah. So when he gave birth to Sheikh, then he left India and he went to Makkah. And he went to Makkah and he wanted to spend time with Sheikh. And he spent one year in Makkah Mukarramah. And then he came to Sheikh and he said, Sheikh, I don't know, I came all the way here. I'm in Makkah Mukarramah. I'm one year in your suhbah. But still I feel the knot has not been untied. The lock in my heart has not been opened. And Azad said, yes. You should go back to India. And go to Gango. And you should tell Hamir Rashid, I'm in Gango in that he should accept your bear. Up strange, right? You go to the Sheikh in Makkah live one year with him, he sends you back to his Khalifa in India and says, no, you give bear to him. Akal would say, it doesn't make sense. If my tazkiyah can't take place here, Makkah Mukarramah, what hope do I have over there? If, the, if my tazkiyah is not taking place with Shaykh, what hope do I have with this Khalifa? But he was mukhlis. This alam was mukhlis. He was Talib Sadiq. He wanted to get this purity of heart. He wanted this lock to be unlocked. He wanted to feel the lutf and lazat of ibadah. He wanted the kurm of Allah Ta'ala. Shaykh told him, he said, he went back. Okay, I'll go back to India. He went back. <laughs> he went back to India. He showed up in Gango. He went to and said, Shaykh told me this. He said, okay, tell me about yourself. So he said, well, I'm Alam of Deen and I was teaching so much and I left that teaching to go to Makkah Makkah to be with Shaykh. Alhamdulillah, when I was there, I was doing zikr, I was doing tawaf, I was in his sobat, I was in his khidmat and alhamdulillah, I also got opportunity to keep teaching hadith over there. So I continued, I had a dars of hadith over there. 
said, okay, I want you to spend time with me, but you cannot give any teaching of Dars of Hadith at all. He said, fine. So after a few months of being in the khidmat and sobat of Hazrat Rashid, his heart's lock was untied and he felt the qurb of Allah Ta'ala, he got nisbat. So then he asked, that how did this happen? I don't understand. How did it happen here and it didn't happen there? So Hazrat Rashid, I told him that actually the teaching that you were doing, you had a bit of ujub in it. And you were thinking that, look, I'm such a great Hadith scholar, how can, even though I'm here in Makkah Mukarma to be with my Shaykh, to do Ibadah, to do Tawaf, but because I'm such a great Hadith scholar, of course, I should still do some Khidmat of Hadith. And so Hazrat Sahib, he saw that in you, that that was what was holding you back. You had this lack of ikhlas. But Hazrat Sahib knew that because he himself was an alim, if he told you this, you wouldn't accept it from him. And you would think that, oh, my Shaykh is not a muhaddith, so he doesn't understand he doesn't understand how important it is to do khidmat of Hadith. So he sent you to me. Because I'm, Hazrat Shiyamah was a big alam. He said, I'm a big alam. So he knew that when I told you to leave all your teaching, you wouldn't question. You wouldn't have doubts. You wouldn't have itiraz. You wouldn't think, oh, Shaykh doesn't know what teaching is because I myself am a mudaris. So actually the whole thing keeping you back from your islah. Look at this. It's a muhaddis. How sincere he spent one year with a Shaykh. But he had slight ujub, 1% he thought, that no, because I am a good muhaddis, the ummah needs my khidmat, so I must give their siddhis. That's it. That small amount of lack of ikhlas, he couldn't get this nisbat. Hmm? Even though he's makkah makarma, even though he's mishaykh. And he had to come back to Ngungo and get ikhlas. He had to remove that 1%. And the second he removed that 1%, then he got this nisbat, ma'allah. Allahu Akbar. Now look, what are me and you compared to these people and these stories? We are nothing compared to them. And how much lack of ikhlas, how much insincerity are we carrying? So much competition and rivalry between organizations, between schools, between people, between groups. It's not ikhlas. It's not ikhlas. We forget 1%, we are Allahu Akbar. We have so much percent. So much percent of lack of ikhlas. We should be scared. How am I going to be makbul to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? One wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he went to a store and he wanted to buy something. So then he put the goods and the person told him, okay, so many dirhams or dinars. He took out the money and he said, no, I can't accept your money. He said, why? He said, because you kote sikke. Kote sikke means at that time, sometimes when the coins wore down a lot, then they would stop uh, stop accepting them. So the wali started crying. <laughs> He started crying. But there was another person there. He said, no, no, it's okay. Why are you crying? I'll give the money for you. Don't worry. He said, I'm not crying because of that. I'm not crying because of that. He said, then why are you crying? He said, a thought occurred to me just now. He said, what? He said, that I came all the way here and I bought the goods and I was ready to buy because I thought that the money I had, I thought, I thought they were genuine. It turns out they were disingenuine. So I thought to myself, what if the same thing happened to me on the Day of Judgment? That all my life I thought I had genuine amal. And I show up on the Day of Judgment and I think I'm going to give these amal and they'll be weighed on the scale. And it turns out they're disingenuine. And it's true, this is what me and you think. Me and you think every salah we pray is accepted. We just take it for guaranteed. 
We just assume it. We think every Umrah we made was accepted. When we go on Umrah, we think every Tawaf we made was accepted. We think every time we went for Hajj is accepted. We think everything we gave in Sadaqah is accepted. We think every Bayan we give is accepted. We think every time we went for Dawah is accepted. We don't have this fikr at all. <laughs> We're just patting ourselves on the back all the time for everything that we do. It's not the way of our elders. It's not the way of our Qabir. They had so much fikr. <laughs> That what am I doing? Is it makabool? Is Allah accepting it? Is Allah loving me for it? I may be doing it, but is it being accepted from me? Will it be accepted in the day of judgment? It's outwardly being accepted in this world. That's a separate thing. Is it going to be accepted by Allah? So we should want that whatever we are doing, it should be makabool in the law. And the only way it will be makabool is if we have 100% ikhlas. Mukhlisin aluhuddin. That whatever we do in deen is absolutely 100% for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, how, how can you tell our Akabra had this ikhlas? How did they get this? They viewed themselves as nothing. They viewed themselves as nothing. This was the hallmark of their ikhlas. And we want to pattern ourselves after them. <laughs> Once he was invited to participate in the munazra. That there were these different, there was these Hindus. And so the Muslims said that we need Mullah Qasim to come. So he got on a train. And he was getting on the train and he went alone. And he was going to that city. And then the stop before the one that he was supposed to get off at, he thought to himself that, you know, maybe some people will find out I'm coming. And they will be there to receive me at the station. So that's not right. I don't want to go for name. I don't want to go for fame. I'm just going to defend Deen of Islam. So he got out one station earlier. And he thought to himself, I'll get out one station earlier and I'll walk. I'll walk and then I'll find myself a room and I'll show up at the Munazra the next day at the appointed time. So he got out. Meanwhile, then the station reaches the next station. And sure enough, there were people there to receive Mulana Qasim. And they were waiting and waiting and looking and he didn't come out of the train. Then they started getting worried that maybe he hasn't shown up and who's going to debate with the Hindus. Meanwhile, Malana Qasim got off at the earlier station and he started walking. Now he's walking, 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 walking. Next thing he comes to a river. <laughs> sure enough, there happened to be a river between the two stations. Now what is he going to do? He walks through the river. He walks through the river and his clothes are all wet. And when he walked through the river and his clothes were wet, so what he did was he had two towers. So then he took the dry one, which he held above him, and wrapped it around him. And then the one that was wet, he took a stick and he laid it on the stick and he started walking like that, drying his clothes. This is Hazrat Mulana Muhammad Qasim Nanotri Antale, the Imam of Muslimin, the representative of Deen of Islam, walking to the city of his debate like that. <laughs> Allah Akbar. Then he checked in to a room anonymously, using the name Khurshid. This was one of his names. So now the ulama, they were getting worried. They didn't know what to do. So one alam had this idea, okay, let's go into the town and let's check the rooms. If anybody, maybe he came through some other way. Allahu Alam. Right? So they checked. Nobody by the name of Qasim Nobody by this name. Nobody by the name. Then one of them knew this name. And he didn't remember. He happened to see it on the register of some, whatever, guest house, the name Khurshid. So he asked him that this person, was he a very thin person? Yes, yes, yes. He's a very thin person. So they found Malana Qasim Nautri when they found him, he said that agar Qasim ka bas hota wo chupta, aap log Qasim ko chupha diya. <laughs> if it was up to me, I would have been a hidden gem. You have published me in the world. They viewed themselves to be nothing. That's why they had a class. 
When it was the time for his Dastar Bandi in Darulam Deoband. His was the first batch that the Akabra of Deoband decided to do this ceremony. Dastar Bandi means wrapping of the turban. So Hazrat Ashraf at time, he found out. He was a student at the time. So he went to Hazrat Ugangoid Abdallah. And he went to him and he said, that, Hazrat, we found out that you were planning to do Dastarbandi this year. That you want to put turbans on the graduates. And he said to him that, no, we are not worthy. We are not worthy of this. That if you do our Dastarbandi, we are worried that Darlum ki badnami hogi. Darlum ki badnami hogi. Hamari Dastarbandi karnasi. So Hazrat Ugangoid Abdallah told him, that Ashraf Ali Thanvi, Ashraf Ali, tum apne ustazon ki saamne rehte ho, tum apne ustazon ki saamne rehte ho, tumhe apne aap nazar nahi aata. Tumhe apne aap nazar nahi aata, jib hum nahi honge, tum hi tum honge. That Ashraf Ali, you live with your teachers, so you don't realize who you are. And when we go, it will be all you. Yes. But he viewed himself to be nothing. He was going and begging them that please don't add this turban wrapping thing. Allah <laughs> Akbar. So these people were so khalis, so mukhlis. They viewed themselves to be nothing. That's how much they did their tazkiyah. That's how much they purified themselves. When they viewed themselves to be nothing, Allah Ta'ala took every type of work of deen from them. You know one kubuliyah is a person is you look at their students. It's amazing. His students, and his students' students, and his students' students. It's like a, it's an incredible list. <laughs> Everything. Work of the Blake from Malana Ilyasha today, the grand student of Hazrat Hadisab. Work of the Saw from Hazrat Tanavi, the student of Hazrat Hadisab. Work of these from Alaman Shakishmiyatani, the grand student of Hazrat Hadisab. His students, and students of his students, and students of his students, and right up to today, Hazrat Mufti Taki Usmani, all of them. All students of students of students, so much fares from one person. Can you imagine that kubulia? And I have not seen any other sheikh alam like that who can say that from my students and students of my students and students of my students, every single branch of deen, tabliq, dawah, tafsir, hadith, fiqh, ifta, every single thing will be taken from my students. Hmm? Can you imagine how makabul he is? Hmm? Why? He also, there's no time to tell you that, he also viewed himself as nothing. <laughs> ये मिटेवे लोग थे, ये मिटेवे लोग थे, इखलास को इसको कहते हैं मिटना, ये मिट नहीं सकते ये मिटाया जाता है, हाँ, मतलब खुद अपने आप को नहीं मिटा सकता, ये मिटाया जाता है, ये समझे, ये रगड़ा है इसको तो सोव कहते हैं, I'm amazed at some people today, they call themselves Sufis, बिल्कुल मिटे नहीं, बिल्कुल मिटे नहीं, not real Sufis. You can't be a true Sufi unless you've erased yourself. You think yourself to be something, you present yourself to be something, you act like you're something. This is not ikhlas. This is not the way of our akabit. So if we want, if we feel that we are dilbandi, hmm? we have to have the ikhlas of the akabit. We have to have the humility of the akabit. Then Allah Ta'ala will take the work from us that Allah Ta'ala took from our akabit. So this was the message we thought we would share from the people of Blackburn. We give you one last story because it's a very relatively less known person but because he's my dad Ustaz we wanted to share it to you. There was a Mulana his name was Ghulam Rasul Pontvin Ponta is a place in our area of Punjab and he left and he went to Darlum Deoban to study in Darlum Deoban and he was a student of Azar Sheikh Al-Hind 
Now, Allama Pontifinamtale, he had a lot of love for Shaykh Al-Hind. And one day somebody asked him, later on in his life, that he had a lot of kubulit also, that how did you get this? He said, it's just because of my teacher's duas. They said, how? He said, I used to love my ustaz and my sheikh. He was also a sheikh so much that at night when nobody would be around, I would take my imama and I would sweep the path from which my ustaz would walk from his home to the Darskar Hadith. And I just my mool every night. He says, and one night, Hazrat Shaykh al for some reason, because his, uh, his, his wife was ill, so he came out in the middle of the night. And when he came out in the middle of the night to go somewhere, he saw me. He caught me in the act. And when he caught me in the act, he called me and said, Ghulam Rasul, what are you doing? And he said, what could I say? I had the imam in my hand and I was dusting in front of him. Huh? So then at that time, he looked at me and he raised his hands in dua. Allah Akbar. Ek dua maangna hai, ek dua lena hota hai. Hum se bhoat dua ke kehte hai, kelwate hai, poochte hai. Bhoat kam loog hai, jo ulama mashaay ke dua ke lene wale bante hai. So he raised his hands in dua. He said, everything I have to this day is the du'as of my shaykh. Tumalallah Ghulam Rasul Pont bin he went back to his home in Ponta. Ponta was in the middle of Punjab. Even in that time, you had to walk 20 kilometers from the road to reach his village. And he made a madrasa there. Of making a madrasa where students will have to walk 20 kilometers by road. But alhamdulillah, he had so much kubuli and the people would come, people would come. Then eventually, in that time, it's a big amount, he had 300 students in that madrasa. But his kubuliya was, his own expertise was sarf and nahu. He was known as Imam al-sarf nahu Those of you who studied ilm, you may have done shara mit'amil. So he has a shara of it called shara pontvi. Massive size shara. But Allah Ta'ala blessed him so much that even though he was the teacher of sarf and nahu, he had two great students. One whose name was Hazrat Mulana Abdullah Bailvi who was the great Mufassir of Qur'an of that area. And then second, Hazrat Mawlana Abdullah Darkhasti Namtanay, who was a great muhaddis of that area. So this is the kabooliyat that these people had. Their ikhlas. If we get the ikhlas that they had, inshallah we'll have the kabooliyat that they have. And if we don't have the ikhlas that they have, we can have every kabooliyat, every talent, every skill, every strategy, every effort, every work. But until we have ikhlas, we won't have that same effect then Allah Ta'ala make each and every one of us from his mukhlisin. And even Allah uses another beautiful word in Quran, mukhlasin. Mukhlasin are those who have ikhlas. Mukhlasin are those who Allah Ta'ala has granted them ikhlas. That Allah Ta'ala has purified their heart. Wa akhirat da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.